You just tuned in with Defiance the Dawn. Live on the chopping block. Prepare to level the game with the knowledge of street science. Turn your speakers up and let's get into it. Oh, that hurts so good, man. That's shit to remember when you forget everything else. <laughs> Yo, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the chopping block. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad that y'all made it. Sitting down and hearing some real fly information, ready to give some game. Um, episode 12 right now, and I am just ready to jump up into some stuff. I hope that everyone's week been good. Um, if you didn't get a chance, I didn't get to shoot out the last episode really the way that I wanted to, but still check it out. It was real good. Um, it had some whole... I guess the theme of it was about family and really taking care of the in-home stuff um, and really looking at how we are working together as one and to push that family unit more than what was uh, or what's being done in the school system per se. Not saying anything good, bad, or indifferent, but really wanting people to kind of shake things up a little bit and look at what they could be doing at home as, I guess, in junction with what may be happening at school or how their kids are learning. So it's a whole bunch of different stuff, but it's real good game. So once again, I hope that the week's been good. My week's been pretty good. Can't complain. We are still working towards the Go Concentrate magazine. I've been talking to a lot of different um, owners of cab cannabis shops, uh, different products, stuff like that. We've also been pu pushing a lot of different health and uh, different solutions on our Instagram. So if you haven't had the chance, please go check it out. Uh, jump online, go to Go Concentrate One, and you can see some of the stuff that we're trying to talk about and the advocacies that we're trying to stand behind because we're all about having a healthy business, a healthy mindset all together and being able to have that in the forefront of what you're trying to do because nothing comes to fruition without you having the right mind state off the gate. So that's definitely something that I want to make sure everybody knows. But a little bit what I want to get into. Uh, I was reading a, a few different articles and I had posted one on my Instagram, my personal one, which is defines the one. And it was a few weeks ago with the whole Monsanto and Bayer thing. And where it was real interesting that they actually find found uh, this glyphosate it's a actual active ingredient that was inside of Monsanto's weed killer Roundup. They found traces of that inside of beer and wine. And this uh, glyphosate is actually what they use to kill weeds. It's an active chemical inside of the weed killer Roundup. Uh, before it was formerly Monsanto owned it and uh, now Bayer had purchased Monsanto, so now Bayer is the owner of the Weed Killer Roundup. But this glyphosate is actually not even allowed in all different, some farms, they just don't allow it at all. So there's other farms that they still allow this product to be used. And now 
with so many different craft beers and beer companies, uh, wine companies, and even being down from Temecula, they have the winery, and you have so many different products coming out that could be potentially contaminated or using this. I mean, they were finding it in beers as common as Coors and Guinness and stuff like that. Now, it was only trace amounts, but those small trace amounts are actually um, not a risk level to the EPA. The U.S. environmental law actually allows traces of uh, uh, glyphosate within some of the products. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't um, allow it to be problematic. It still can be a problem with within um, the body. So we have to be able to look at this. It's very interesting because so many of us have, you know, our relaxation time or vices that we like to go ahead and drink, chill, have a beer. Some people even like to be able to partake in their cannabis, smoke, and wind down for the time. And we automatically look at, you know, what our, we've done as a culture and how things have kind of culturally affected us from how you came up or who, who you've been around and how everything is just uh, comes into fruition. And we've okayed a lot of the stuff just because we've done it for so long. But does that mean that it's truly okay? Because from a youth, you don't really objectively look at how or who is behind some of the things that you end up using. You just end up kind of following suit with those that are around you. And you don't really look at the inner effects that that can have on yourself, your system, and moving forward, your body and your health. And it's not so much that we have a problem with just being able to partake every once in a while if you want to um, you want to drink you want to smoke or do what you want to do but the problem starts to come in is when there's a third party interfering in how a lot of these products are being developed and I think that's what happens when we start looking at companies like Monsanto and a company like Bayer, they've actually been out of the limelight for quite a while. I was uh, talking about them to a lot of the people that I know in the early 2000s, the mid 2000s. That's when a lot of light was actually getting shined on Monsanto and the GMOs and stuff that they were actually producing. And a lot of things have actually quieted down where people aren't talking about genetically modified uh, foods or uh, genetically modified organisms or whatnot because it became more of a well-known thing. Now, uh, people are used to having these gluten-free diets. Everybody's on a health kick. Everybody's eating healthy. And not thinking about that, these companies uh, like Monsanto, and there's also, you know, a few others that are out there. They're just the most popular uh, seed development company, but they have contingency plans in place to interest, you know, intricately get themselves 
inside of the organic movement and the natural foods movement. All they have to do is change the name, change a label, and re-design uh, um, a, a product. And uh, boom, now they're on your store shelves of, you know, your healthy markets and your healthy foods and kind of putting themselves within, you know, some of the gluten-free movements and all that stuff. And there's even people that still go to alternative for eating a lot of foods. They still go to maybe like soy or something like that, where soy is a contaminated product in itself that a lot of people do not know. There's properties in soy that have um, uh, an effect on testosterone itself. So that that's something that you want to be able to look at as well. So and what companies are kind of behind that soy movement as well. So there's other alternative plants that are just as healthy and and more healthy than going to you know something like that. Where actually I wanted to get into some of these testosterone inhibitors because it's interesting in what now some of these companies are trying to do like Monsanto for one okay we're looking at the craft beer and we're looking at how they're um really getting this into uh into craft beers with the glyphosate how do you get traces of that let's let's remind ourselves of where GMOs were. What what do they do? Okay, well, for one, you know, they can contribute in an increase of food allergies. So people that find themselves with more food-related allergies can come from um, eating something that's genetically modified. Um, they also genetically engineer them. So they can trigger other allergies in alternate foods. So you can go ahead and find sometimes cross-contamination between proteins from one food that doesn't belong in another. You know, like proteins that are swapped uh, between maybe um, a different type of nut or a different type of seed that you end up eating. And that's from um, an area that you're not domestic to and now you're taking that in and you go ahead and get a food allergy based on that cross-contamination and it being genetically modified. Um, GMOs, they're also incorporated with a lot of antibiotic resistors. So those genes that they put within the seed itself to help strengthen the crop so that it could grow, that antibiotic actually gets taken into the body and antibiotics are often used with being able to, you know, um, destroy parasites or, you know, kill anything that might be um, bad in the body if you're, if you're sick or you have an illness. But a lot of times what an antibiotic also does is that it kills good cells too. It's kind of like, you know, using um, like a chemical therapy. So, you have good cells and bad cells, and you definitely want to know when you're taking in um, uh, antibiotic resistant into your body. So that leads to another thing where research has also linked some of the GMOs and the herbicides that have been found in the genetically modified foods um, to be linked with different types of cancers. 
So you want to think about that as well, because now you have this herbicide that may be used inside of some of these uh, foods that you take in at the seed level. They actually did a study back in 2013 that they went ahead and they fed a lot of the herbicide um, contaminated uh, uh, foods to rats. And when the rats actually ate them, they found that these rats had developed cancer 80% more. And it was like, um, like 67% that didn't go ahead and get the cancer during the study that didn't go ahead and take it. So you, you want to be able to look at how that can affect you, maybe not immediately, but during progression down the road. And then they also have it where it's very lock and key, where there's no independent research that's allowed on any GMOs from any of the main food controlling organizations. So you can't go ahead and really do your own research or a lot of large um, organizations can't do their research. So they definitely keep um, a consolidation on who can look at the real properties, who can look at the effects, who can do um, look at some of the case studies behind this and who can deliver that information. So it's it's a whole thing behind it. And where I look at that, I'm like, all right, well, people oftentimes will get so healthy, what we're finding, and become so nutritious, but they still like to be able to partake and um, have, have, have their vices. As I said, you want to smoke a little, you want to drink a little, which is fine. I do too. And, and it's all in moderation. I don't smoke, but you know, for those that uh, drink, I might have a beer here and there. But the moderation needs to be taken in because we separate things in our head, and especially for my bud smokers out there. Um, a lot of times, you know, there's guys that will be on a health kick about a lot of things and look at the GMOs and the companies behind some of the foods that we eat and know the contamination that happens with the foods. But completely uh, a disconnect from the level of it possibly being genetically modified in their cannabis marijuana. They almost eliminate that as being a factor. And that's some of the stuff that I wanted to be able to look at. You know, these same companies now, if you go and do your research, Monsanto and Bayer are trying to get into the cannabis industry. They're wanting to go ahead and get um, a piece of that pie. And these are the same companies that have just been found with trace amounts of glyphosate within craft beers and other beers, just, just domestic beers too, domestic foreign and craft beers. They've found that, that they have trace amount. And then they want to go ahead and offer um, themselves to be introduced and a contributing factor into the same cannabis, uh, uh, the same cannabis industry. Now, not to say that there already isn't genetically modified seeds in circulation for cannabis. That's already been going on nationwide. So now they just want to be able to put their name brand behind it. This has already been going on behind the scenes, whether you like it or not. So. 
if you feel, okay, well, that probably doesn't happen to me. I grow my own seeds. Well, where do you get your seeds from? If you're not going ahead and possibly importing your seeds from out of the country, most likely you're getting it from some level that's been genetically modified. And it's just very uh, interesting how we even look at this. You know, can cannabis was introduced, you know, from a, a long time ago to come into the immediate um, cultural fad that it is now. And not, not, not talking about how long it's been around, more how long has it been a part of the American culture? You know, um, has it been a cultural revolution in the aspect that we see it right now? And, you know, I know for even in the inner cities, they started to move um, cannabis in very aggressively because, you know, you look at from the 60s to now a big difference in how things started to take place. I mean, cannabis serves two purposes, especially in black inner cities where you have it able to create a population that's more docile, a population that's more compliant, and then it also creates um, or assists in the school to prison pipeline. So marijuana was aggressively pushed in the inner cities, especially following the Watts riots, uh, Dr. King assassination. So in the 60s, they definitely did that. And I and a lot of people don't know, even after the Dr. King assassination, they had um, like a hundred different riots all across the country that they had to go ahead and subdue. So they wanted to go ahead and create something that was able to minimize the, um, the, 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 the effect of aggression and uh, testosterone uh, within these geographic locations. And um, that's why you see such a spike between the 70s moving on forward with the use of marijuana in a lot of these areas, you know. And yeah, you have other drugs that were very prominent and, you know, marijuana compared to maybe cocaine or compared to heroin or something like that, it's not going to be as threatening of a level. Marijuana actually is a lot more inviting. And so that's why you find that its effects become a lot more successful, you know, and most people don't even know it because people don't know what the intended effect uh, and agenda for the cannabis was supposed to be. So the effects and the intended agenda for cannabis wasn't the same as maybe cocaine and heroin where for those populations in those inner cities, you know, um, crack and heroin, its agenda and intended effect was devastation. Where for marijuana, its intended effect is incapacitation, where it's very different. So 
when when you're lifted and, and you're high and you're smoking, you're you're really not good to no one. Well, you think you are, you think you feel very functional, but you know, what you actually are is when you're lifted, you're subject to hyper subjectability. You can be a lot more easily manipulated. And so that's kind of what they end up studying and what they look at. And Monsanto and these companies, they understand this. This is something that's all been well-researched, documented. They actually had um, uh, a violence prevention program. Uh, this gentleman named Dr. Frederick Goodman. He was the director of National Institute of Mental Health. This was during the first Bush administration, um, about in back in '92. They ran a four hundred thousand, uh, a four hundred uh, million dollar program, and it was a document that they released about this program. It was actually released in the Freedom of Information Act, and it was on March 9th of '92. The title of it was Preventing Youth Violence. This is right, um, right during the time that, what, L.A. riots are taking place in 92 and all that. So then Dr. Goodman's agency, the National Institute of Mental Health, they indicated one of the chemicals it will use in a program that will be in this um, in entire violence prevention program will actually biomedically control the young black male youth. It was a drug called uh, Defoprevera. And Defoprevera is actually a female contraceptive. It's a form of birth control. This is what they were talking about that they wanted to introduce way back in 92. This, the, the, the problem comes with this is because what Depro Provera actually is, it's known as what is an anti-androgen. You have different uh, levels of chemicals that are induced in the body, testosterone being one of the strong chemicals that uh, obviously create masculinity, you know, um, confidence, a lot of things. It's, it's not just uh, something that's only in males. Females carry testosterone too. And so testosterone falls under what's known as an androgen. And what happens is in the enhanced weed, the enhanced cannabis, the they've actually been able to alter it with the genetic manipulation that creates an anti-androgen uh, and presents this Depo-Provera within the actual uh, compounds of marijuana that is the medicinal marijuana that has been introduced over time to the public. So it assaults and partially blocks the development of testosterone. And so... 
where we also have other levels of things that it starts to disrupt, you know? So, like, even within um, a person, the level of cortisol, it's uh, cortisol is almost like the fight or flight hormone. It's the stress hormone. So cortisol is re uh, released into the bloodstream when an organism encounters physical or psychological stress. So it has reason of being expended to um, overcome stress within the body. So when it isn't being dispersed, it actually could become a poison to the body. So if you have high levels of cortisol being dispersed within the body, it needs to go somewhere. It needs to go and be dispersed and, you know, it needs to be eliminated after a while. Because when it sits within the body, cortisol actually creates increased anxiety and increased stress. So a lot of times people that live in the inner city and live in these compounds, especially areas that we call, you know, uh, these testing plots called projects because they are a project. It's an experiment. So when you look at these experiments, a lot of people are um, exhibiting high levels of cortisol within their life due to the high levels of stress that are within the area. So, you know, you have these areas where now are what's introduced, you know, high, high levels of um, cannabis is introduced and most of this cannabis has touched the hands of the CIA or some government organization before, way before it's ever hit the streets, already altered and manipulated. We have already in other um, podcasts, I've already covered how, you know, the CIA had its hands in manipulation of um, promoting different drugs as far as crack or heroin within inner cities. So, and there's been documented information already proven, and I've given that on past podcasts, the documented information of them actually being a part of that ring and the book written and exposing them. So this isn't something that is just like, oh, whoa, like, you know, we're talking about just some grand theory of conspiracy, but actual conspiracy that has factually taken place. And so when they go ahead and they touch a lot of the cannabis, the genetic alteration already has happened. And with cannabis, a lot of people don't know, there's over 500 different chemicals that are inside the plant itself, 60 of them being cannabinoids. And the number one cannabinoid within the um, plant itself is the one that we all know well, which is the THC. Uh, but the THC that we end up receiving has already been genetically engineered to raise cortisol levels. You see what I mean? And to keep your cortisol level high and the testosterone level low by introducing it as an anti-androgen. So th th this, is, this is part of 
the problem when we look at what's being introduced, what are we taking in? Does it stop at only a food level? No. Um, actually, in a book that I will be releasing, it's called Decoding the Corporate Game. I wrote the book and then now I had to revise the book to update it for more current times and information and also what I come to understand now. So there's a chapter in there that's called Murder by Consumption. That Murder by Consumption, it has, um, it has to do with food, but it has to do with intake and consuming on all levels. What, how does this actually affect us overall? Because when we limit it to just um, what can be modified based on what we put on our plate to eat, well, then we're also going ahead and knocking out a lot of consumption that happens that has nothing to do with food, which it's herbs and things that are smoked, things that we partake in that we call culture. Now, one of the things that you may also want to look at when I, uh, when I described what Dr. Goodwin's agency, um, who was the leader of the National Institute of Mental Health, what they were talking about back in 92 with being able to introduce this devil provera. Okay, now you have this cannabis being introduced on this level that's kind of changed. But in 92, what also came out that was a cultural phenomena that changed the way that we spoke about marijuana. In 1992, what happened? The word that came out to describe marijuana, chronic, the chronic album, that, that came out in the same year. That same year that they released this, the same year that we changed the way that we're talking about marijuana. See, things are done in deception. We, they don't have to go ahead and tell you what they're going to do. They don't have to go ahead and force things upon you. These guys are slickest marketers that have ever existed. You've never seen marketing like this before because they have their hands in every cookie jar. So now you have people speaking about marijuana and accepting it, and the way the weed looked even changed. It changed. Everything changed. You know, so you went from seeds and sticks to something looking completely different. It got altered right before our eyes, and we asked for it. We were asking for it. They don't have to talk about the type of vaccinations that... Um, people that they're going to force upon people if the people start accepting they ask for it that's how they do it if they go ahead and they genetically modify the foods they tell you all the benefits of why they're going to do it you know um so when people ask for these things then it's easier to push it upon the public it's easier to bring it to your your attention if if they talked about um if they were speaking about microchipping people you know, in future, most people go, hell no, I'm not going to get microchipped. But they're slowly finding ways to work that in. They're going to talk about for the elderly, you know, the ways that they'll be able to have all their medical information in one place. How much easier it will be to be able to get treated and you'll be able to move to the front of the line. Special insurance benefits that you'll be able to get kickbacks for if you go ahead and have this medical device in you. You might even be able to have small um problematic things fixed from a remote location so that you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home. 
Um, they'll be able to go ahead and find your location exactly where you are. If you're having a heart attack or you're having any type of stroke or anything is going on, now they can find you. Um, you'll be able to play cheaper deductibles on, you know, having this device within your uh, within your arm or in your hand. There's all these benefits that they'll sell sell people on so that people accept it in an area that they're most comfortable with. And that's what also happens. People want to accept stuff, especially the youth. Where do you reach them? You reach them through pop culture. You reach them through music. You reach people not through the things that they don't like, through the things that feel forced. You can't reach the youth that way. The youth is automatically by um, when you're an adolescent, what's in you? The automatic feeling of rebellion rebellious. So you have to reach people in that arena that pertains to them. And so that's that's where we're we're kind of looking at is it's interesting that that whole level of information, you know, was handed to us and we just took it all of us, me me included. And now where we look at the weed, well What's the contamination that's happening on it? What's some of the dangers? Well, we're we're seeing that we're getting these big conglomerates involved that want to go and introduce something that's already been raising the TH, uh, not raising the THC levels, but engineering the THC to raise the cortisol levels within the body. And with these seeds, the same thing that happens um, with with um within genetically modified foods so a lot of the weed has been contaminated by dangerous pesticides but one of the pesticides a popular one that it's actually been contaminated with is one called paraquat and one of the problems with paraquat is that it has a melanin infinity and that means that it easily binds with melanated tissue giving it a stronger effect and it be makes people become more inebriated so when we find that this paraquat has a uh, melanin affinity, that means that it has a stronger effect when it binds with the melanin and then a stronger effect when it binds with the production of dopamine in the body. So these are some of the things that we want to look at with these chemical compounds that have been created and now alter the very molecular structure within the body over time, changing the person from a biological level. That's what we're looking at, you know? And when we see this whole thing being played out and we look at um, all the chess pieces on the board, you know, what I've noticed, one of the number one financiers who's been funding all this proposition of this medical marijuana from um, California, uh, Arizona, and Nevada, and who also funded leading to it to be used um, by helping to pass recreational legislation has been who? The billionaire George Soros. Now people can say, well, it's not just a black thing, it's not a white thing. No, it's everybody's thing because there's layers to this thing. But one thing that I know when I look at where the black males have been targeted, well, if George Soros 
he's helping to go ahead and fund for the medicinal use to be passed in a lot of these states that have already passed it. Then he also funded for the recreational legislation. But then the billionaire George Soros was also the man who went ahead and funded the organization of Black Lives Matter. Why would a, a George Soros, a billionaire Jewish man, have so much interest in not, not the movement, not the people that are in the movement, but the organization that went ahead and got the ball rolling for the movement was funded by George Soros? You can look it up. This is all open information, you know? So why, why would he do that? Because at the same time, George Soros, which people don't know, George Soros has um, uh, is one of the very high major shareholders in what company? What company is George Soros a major shareholder in? Monsanto. George Soros is also a major shareholder in Monsanto. What does George Soros have in such an interest in making it legal and easy for everybody to get lifted and be high? I don't know, but we know that he has, uh, um, he is a major shareholder in the world's largest seed company and producer of genetically modified seeds. This is all coming full effect. You gotta pay attention to what's going on and can't just be going with the get along gang and the status quo. This stuff is manipulating people on a genetic level, is changing and inhibit, uh, inhibiting the levels of testosterone that's able to be produced within the human being. It's also going ahead and changing the estrogen levels that are being raised within you know, um, people. So people are producing. We have to pay attention because people are producing more progerin and more estrogen within the body um, after some of the genetically modified seeds of THC cannabis. And progerin is just another type of, uh, I guess, a derivative of the estrogen uh, compound that's developed within more of a feminized body. So it's altering and really messing with people on a genetic level. And that goes from foods to some of our vices, the things that we drink. And there's studies and there's documented information about the contamination that has been found and traces of different beer, wine, cannabis, and stuff like that. So whether you think you're safe because you're like, hey, I'm a grower or I get my seeds directly from here or there. I in-house grow with my black lighting, everything like that. But do you know and have you traced exactly where your seeds have traveled from, where they come from? Unless you're going to Canada or you're getting them out of the country and shipped directly to you, you can't be sure if you haven't received already a genetically modified seed because this is something that has been going on for a long time that they've been introducing into the public. So when we talk about how we're 
going ahead and healing ourselves or dealing with being able to um, eliminate the levels of stress with marijuana or cannabis, we need to make sure that we're doing just as much due diligence about our cannabis as we would do about any type of food that we put in our body. That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling anybody what they should smoke, what they should do, or what they shouldn't. That's all up to you, family. That's what you want to do. It's all good. I'm just saying, let's go ahead and make sure we're sitting down and getting all the facts together so that we can make a conscious decision about what we're doing and what we're putting in our body versus a manipulated one. And that's the important part. Because no longer should we sit down and allow other people controlling the narrative of the things that we choose to enjoy. Now, not saying the cannabis plant itself is inherently bad or evil or anything like that, you know, because there's still hemp and CBD oil that's being used and making medical breakthroughs all the time. There's countless stories that I read even this week on how um, a lot of the CBD oil has been able to help with the uh, and and benefit people in areas of cancer and being able to um, make an influence in the body on how that cancer reacts with the rest of the cells. So I can't go ahead and knock that at all. Um, all I'm saying is it's a lot different when we even look at um, some of some of the Rastafarians and. I've, I've had this conversation with even some of my uh, Jamaican family. There was Rastafarians that did smoke, but the true to the game, the actual true to the game uh, Rastafarians, the, the, the Rastas, what they would start speaking about is the marijuana and burning it, but they weren't talking about even burning it to inhale. They were talking about being able to burn it, to use it for different properties, not to smoke. And then there was Rastafarians that were true to the game that used it as a tea. So it was used as a tea and it got popularized when it started being introduced um, as something to smoke, something to go ahead and get lifted and a head change with, but that wasn't always the original property that the Rastas actually introduced it as. You have to go ahead and go deep to start seeing where their origination of usage for the plant was. So when we start looking at a lot of the um, ways that things have been altered, you know, we want to make sure that our reasons and our research align with what we want to do versus just going along with the flow because going along with the flow has got us to where we are now and we're seeing people with so many more medical ailments in society than we were ever seeing you know uh, maybe a hundred years ago yeah they're saying oh we're curing more things all the time every day with technology but we're also dealing with a lot more things yeah we had stuff that we didn't used to be able to cure back in the day but we used to have stuff that we didn't used to get either so there were um, illnesses that weren't as problematic you know maybe years ago as it is today and we have to take that into maybe diet um, culturally and our level of consumption so when we think about consuming, try not to only limit it to diet. Just think about everything that you're taking in. But 
that's been the show today. Glad that y'all been able to stop in, pop in, whatever it is. Um, go ahead and stop by my Instagrams. Go to Defiance the One. You find me on there. Go to Go Concentrate with the number one. So Go Concentrate One. Go follow that. Uh, we're going to get a website up popping for this podcast soon. So people will also be able to check out articles and different things that I write about subjects that are important to me and hopefully important to you too. So um, the clothing line, infinitelifelive.com and imperialmediadesign.com for anybody that needs design work, marketing, media, publishing, anything like that. Y'all have a good week. I'll see you next Thursday. Peace.